welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Does God love you? At various points in its history, Israel wasn't so sure. There are various points in our own lives when we aren't so sure. In Israel's case, it resulted in half-hearted worship through tainted sacrifices. Sound familiar? Lead teacher Randy Pope starts a new series on questioning God with this message entitled Questioning God's Love, which covers Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Thank you for joining us today. Well, we began a new series this week, and the series is entitled Questioning God. It's going to be a five-week series. Uh, We'll be dealing with some uh, very important topics. Uh, These five weeks, I think, could be, uh, I hope I can say this about every series, but I really do believe, I think this series has some great potential to impacting our lives in significant ways. And so I would like, not as a formality, but I would like to pray with all of us thinking, let's talk to our Father And let's ask him to make that happen. Let's pray together, all right? Our Father, we know that you're a God of promises. You've promised to be with your people. You've promised to direct your people, to lead your people, to speak to your people. And you never fail in your promises. We're going to ask you now, would would you teach us and lead us through this series? We pray that at the end of five weeks that we will know that our lives have been marked significantly in such a way that we understand, know you better, and most importantly, that we love you more. Many of us need great help in our life experiences right now, and we need your presence. We need to know this week of your love. Use this week to make that happen in these five weeks to change our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let me give you a roadmap for this week, this morning. Here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to tell two stories, very briefly, that uh, will seem totally irrelevant to anything you would understand, but two stories. Number two, I'm going to, I'm going to read the text Out of Malachi chapter 1, you can be turning there now, Malachi chapter 1, we'll be reading the first five verses, of which I'm going to predict the last three or four verses you won't understand much at all. You'll read it and you'll say, what in the world does that mean and why did he say what he said? Does this sound fun so far? Two irrelevant stories and a text you will not understand. But we don't stop there. I will teach the text after giving you a little background to Malachi. I'm going to teach the text, and I'm going to leave you with a statement that I hope is going to open an understanding of God and His ways as it will relate to your and my life, not just the Israelites that we'll be talking about, but I'm talking about our own daily experience. So that's where we go. Let me give you the stories first. The first story has to do with my brother, and with me. My only sibling, his name Barry. Barry, two years older. Barry and I could not have been any different as children nor as adults. I've never, ever, ever had anybody assume by seeing us together that we were in any way related. We looked totally different. 
Uh, he was the good looker uh, when he kept himself as a younger. He was the good looker. And I remember in junior high, a group of girls came up to me one day and said, how come your brother is so handsome and you're so, and I'll let you fill in the blank. Uh, but he was the, he was just really a, you know, a real attractive young looker and so forth. And I was just me and, and, uh, I love sports and, and he was into music. Uh, we were different there. We were different in the sense that we had different personalities. Uh, he was a hothead. He was always ready to have a fight with anybody, anytime, uh, because he knew he could probably win the fight and he loved fighting. So let's get at it. And, and I was more of the peacemaker trying to, to bring peace. Uh, if you look at us in terms of our values, we had absolutely different values. Uh, I, uh, I had a value for, uh, for uh, uh, spiritual things. Even before I became a Christian, I, I had a hunger. There was something in me that said, you know, I, I want something uh, of God. Let me figure this out. Who is God and so forth. And, and my brother was just, you know, I, I could care less. Here I am going through school to prepare to be a minister. Here he is, and he is a bartender at that time. Uh, I have a family. Uh, I have grandchildren. My, uh, my brother, a totally different story. Uh, he eventually married. Uh, he had his girlfriends and live-ins, whatever, but he, he eventually married, but he divorced. He never had children. He never had grandchildren. I mean, our lives just could not be any different. Now, we had the same parents, we had the same home, we had the same rearing as parents, the way they treated us, very fair and equal to both. We had the same community, we had the same church, we had the same education. How in the world, how do you explain such differences in one family? I'm going to stop there with that story. Second story. We had finally had to purchase nine acres of property to build our first facilities. We did it with a bit of disappointment, though. Certainly thrilled to get a facility of our own, but, but we were on this piece of property that was not ideal and eventually would not hold us very long. Uh, we had just come out of an experience where we had lost the dream of dreams in terms of finding a place for this church. It was a 50-acre plot. It was gorgeous. It was right in the heart of where we thought we should be. We knew that we had no money, and I mean no money. But we had a commitment that we would never ask, is it possible? We'll only ask, is it the will of God, which we try to seek to continue that to this day. And we can look and have a dream. We can pray for it, see if God provides it. If he does, fine. If not, you accept it and move on. Well, we found 50 acres. We said, let's pray for it. Let's just see if God would provide it. More money than we could ever imagine paying. We'd never be able to pay for it, but who knows? God, would you give it to us? And so as we saw the, the clock running down, there was an opportunity to put a contract on it, but there would be another contract coming, as we were told. And so we didn't have much time. And it looked like, well, it's not going to happen. I go to a conference. One of my mentors, Jim Baird, was there. A group of very well-to-do business leaders from around the country were present. He said, I want you to go to dinner with me tonight. I go to dinner. I walk into this room, a private dining area, and there is this huge table, 20 or so of the wealthiest men you could imagine. Jim says to me, Randy, tell your vision for that property. Tell what you see happening. Talk about it. Tell us what it costs. Let us know. So I tell the story, no idea what he's about to do. And he says, these men... They want to buy that property for you. 
They want to do it through a limited partnership. You're going to have to put the earnest. They knew there was a 30,000 earnest. We got several months with that 30,000 to come up with our monies and so forth and said, you get, you get the, uh, the paperwork done, uh, send it uh, through the prospectus through the SEC, Security Exchange Commission, get it approved, and we'll buy the shares and take it as, uh, as tax deduction, and you've got property, and we're all happy, and let's leave it at that. And I was thrilled. I couldn't believe it. I'm thanking God this is too good to be true. And so uh, we went to the Securities Exchange and showed them our paperwork, and will this pass? Sure it will. It, how long will it take? It won't take long, just a day's a week, be no problem. So everything looked good. That thing delayed and delayed and delayed, and it never came out, and our contract date came to an end. I go to the, uh, I go to the, the uh, people who own the property and say, uh, any way we can get an extension on this. So we got more backup contracts on these properties, but we'll give you uh, uh, one month or two months longer. I forget what it was, but it'll cost you $10,000 more. We'd already lost our thirty unless we got the property, and we go, oh, my goodness, do we put 10 more now? Do you know we had only saved 30000 when that date came that we had to have the thirty? That was all of our savings. That was our money total. We had 10000 more by that next period that we had saved, thinking we were going to go after this property. And now do we put all the money again? We went to counsel from spiritual leadership to business leadership. Every person said, do it. You're crazy not to. We put down 10000 more with the understanding from the SEC, it's coming out any day, and it didn't come out. We lost 50 acres. We lost $40,000. We're left with nothing. We end up having to get a piece of property that no one really thought was the best for us. And I'll hold that story right there. Let's go to the book of Malachi. Background to Malachi so you understand the story of Malachi. The word Malachi means actually messenger. Uh, many credible people think that there was not a man named, a prophet named Malachi, that it was maybe one of the other prophets, and it's just used the term messenger to refer to himself in writing it. Whatever be the case, we know this. This was written about 425 to maybe 450 B.C., if you know anything about biblical history, uh, the intertestament time was just a few hundred years. This is right at the end of the Old Testament time period. Uh, literally, uh, I mean, this is one of the last writings of the Old Testament. So a lot of history has taken place for the Israelites, known as the people of God. Well, the people of God are in a bad circumstance right now, or I should say the Israelites Many of them weren't true people of God, but they were the ones that God was using and blessing and so forth. At least that was the case, though they didn't believe it or accept it. They thought, they said, man, we're a people that's in all kinds of issues and problems. We've been in captivity. Babylon had taken them in cap captivity. They had been released now a hundred years. And though you could say, well, that's good news. Let me tell you, they didn't see it so good because when they came back, they're all in kinds of problems. Then Cyrus comes along, the Persians, and their problems with them. Now, 50 years after that, they're in a drought. The crops are dying. They're thinking, we, we don't, where's the blessing of God? They're all upset about it. And so they begin questioning God. They begin questioning God. They question God in five arenas. I'm going to put these five up for you to see. 
These are the five that we'll be covering over these weeks. First of all, God's love. Does God really love us? Number two, how about his honor? Is God worthy of being honored by us as Israelites? What about his justice? You know, is, is he fair? I mean, look what he's allowing to happen in life. How can we think that God is a fair God? What about his particular perspective and the directives that he gives out of that perspective regarding marriage? He was saying you can't do certain things regarding marriage. Here's how it's restricted. This is what. And they're going, well, why, God? Why, why can't you get a divorce? God, why can't you do this? Why can't you whatever? And then lastly, God's directives regarding money. God, you want our money. You keep telling us that we're supposed to give. And why? We don't, we don't get that, God. And so they're beginning to question God in all of these arenas. And so the prophet is going to write using a literary device that's known as a diatribe. Di to. Diatribe refers to one person speaking. In this case, it's God through Malachi. He is speaking on his own behalf, and secondly, on the behalf of the audience with whom he's referring. So he's going to say, I say, but you say. I say, but you say. And that's going to go back and forth throughout the entire book of Malachi. Now we read the text, Malachi chapter 1, 1 through 5. So follow along as I read. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? God speaking now. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I've loved Jacob, but I've hated Esau. And I've made his mountains a desolation and appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Though Edom says, we've been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear down. And men will call them the wicked territory and the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. Your eyes will see this. You will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. So you see what I mean? You read that and you say, now... What are we supposed to get from that text? Well, let me suggest to you that these five areas that are being questioned, beginning with God's love, these five are the same five that you and I are battling with, dealing with all the time. To whatever degree our belief and trust in God in these five areas are fractured, and they're fractured in my experience and in yours as well. To whatever degree that is, we're going to struggle in life. We are going to struggle. It is so important that we get these five and we hang on as tightly as we can to the truth that God's going to tell us in this book of Malachi. We were on vacation a number of years ago. And we've had a, a little custom through the years in our vacation as our kids have become adults is to do a little... Uh, question that's asked by each family, uh, one family per night, and everybody has to answer the question. One of our children asked this question. They said, what would you like to see God do in your life over the next two years? 
I, I certainly don't remember everybody's response, but I remember mine. My response was this. I would like to have a deeper conviction of God's love and God's sovereignty. You know why I said that? Because I've learned this. To the degree that you have a handle on and a conviction of and a belief in those two, God's love and God's sovereignty, you'll have peace. I know peace is a fruit of the Spirit. You've got to know how to appropriate the power of God's Spirit. But in doing so, there's truth you have to hold on to. And the truth is, God loves me. God's sovereign. Hey, I'm okay. I don't have to read my circumstances to determine whether God's sovereign or God is, is a loving God. No, no, no. I believe that. Well, the truth is, I don't believe that like I should. And as a result, it's, 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 it's challenging. I was with a, a good friend just yesterday, and he said, hey, help me understand. You know, I tend to worry about some things here and, you know, work and whatever. And, uh, you know, what would you say to worry? And I, I said, that's so funny. I, that's exactly what I'm addressing today. It has to do with embracing his love and embracing his sovereignty. Well, this is a text that's going to help us understand the love of God. And it's going to change our way of thinking, I hope, about the love of God. At least for many of us who really don't understand, how do you determine the love of God? So in doing so, let's look at, let's look at the first two verses. I'll say this too before we look at these first two verses. To know God's love, oh my goodness, how incredibly important is that? I, I've watched my uh, mother-in-law as uh, just a, a number of weeks ago made a decision, though she could have extreme, you know, things to help her live longer. Uh, they were extreme. They weren't natural. And she's in the hospital and she says, are you kidding me? When I can go be with Jesus, go through that? No, man, I'm ready to go be with Jesus. I haven't seen anybody ever so excited about dying. She's like, you know, well, Lord, you know, I hope I can go tonight while I go to sleep. Maybe you take me home tonight. But, but uh, you know, Carol, if I'm here, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye, you know. It's like, weird. So I make a trip. I, I've, I've been in uh, South Florida writing, and, and Carol had come up and left so she could be with her mom, and she's in home hospice care and so forth. And, and so uh, I'm going to give my last, you know, goodbye. And, you know, here's a wonderful woman. Been a great mother-in-law and just couldn't ask better. And, and so I'm uh, about to leave, and I think it was time to honor her. And so I say, you know, I just want to tell you, you know, how much, you know, you've meant to me and what a wonderful mother-in-law. And, and uh, I promise you I'm going to take care of your daughter until the day I die. I want you to know that. And I'm, I'm just telling her, you know, what a, she's given a legacy of not living, just living, but how to die. I've never seen anybody like this. And, you know, and I'm just giving it all. And I'm very emotional and getting, you know, just kind of hanging on. And, and uh, I finish, and she says, well, I love you too. You have a good trip, Okay. <laughs> What did I, did I just, so I ask her, I say, you know, I know that you are excited about seeing your husband that died maybe six months ago, and I know you're excited about seeing your parents, and I know you're excited about, you know, all their friends and loved ones that are, you know, Christians and so forth that you'll see in heaven, and I can understand the great reunion and why you'd be excited, but at the same time, you have three children you love very much. They're all three married, and at least two of them I know you love. 
and you got grandchildren, and now all these great-grandchildren coming along. Is, is there something in you that just says, well, as much as that, I still, I know I'm, that's going to be so hard. And, I'm a, and, and you know her response? She says, no, not compared with being with Jesus. No, I'm fine. Have a good trip. <laughs> uh, well, I walk out the door, and Carol and I are crying, and we're going, it's amazing. What, what did we just hear in there? Well, you know what? She's convinced of God. You couldn't, um, you couldn't convince her God doesn't love her. That God sovereignly got everything prepared. and when she, She's like, hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. Isn't that what we want, folks? That's where we want to be. Well, you don't get there without the right beliefs. I've taught this through my career here. Let me tell you, your beliefs are going to shape your actions. They'll first shape the way you feel, and then your feelings will shape the way you act. And you got to get the belief system correct. So Malachi is going to help us do this. Here's how he's going to do it. He's going to say two things important for you if if you're going to stop questioning the love of God, you've got to do this. You've got to hear me say, I love you. Number two, you've got to see that I love you. I have to tell you. I have to show you. You put those two together, you've got a great formula for believing you're loved. Here's the problem. The people of Israel hear, you say you love us. I hear you say you love us, but I don't see it. And that's where he has to shape their thinking. Let's look at the first, though, for, to begin with. Malachi, the first two verses, God says he loves us. It goes like this in the first two verses. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. So uh, this, don't we crave to hear it? Oh, we want to hear that we're loved by folks that mean something to us. I know that. Uh, Carol's father uh, as wonderful and godly and man he was, Carol never, 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 never doubted his love for her. But early in our marriage, I'd hear her say, I just wish I could hear my dad say, I love you. I know he loves me. He shows it every way in the world. But maybe it's the generation or whatever, but those words just weren't there. Well, it was a few years into our marriage, not long, you know, whatever happened in his experience in life. But, but when she first heard him say, I love you, and then began to hear that, on a regular basis. Oh, the difference. Just to hear those words, I love you, mean the world. I grew up with parents that told me they love me all the time. Love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I was going to have time. I'd be with friends, I'd say, you can't keep that down a little bit, you know, okay. Just, but, but I mean, I never doubted love because I heard it all the time. Carol ends up with me and we, we end up dating for, you know, three to four years uh, before I ever told her I loved her. And uh, just kind of more of the same from her dad, you know. Okay, nobody tells me they love me. I don't know what she's going to say. But she's just longing to hear me say it. But I wasn't saying it because I, I just couldn't make myself say it. It was because I didn't know what love was. And I was in a search. I mean, if you know the little book that I've written on that subject matter, because that was my pilgrimage. God, I'm not going to tell anybody I love them until I know what it means to love. And when I came to grips with what love was, I said, man, if that's what love is, I got that for Carol. So I tell her, I love you. Do you think she remembers that moment? Of course she does, because we all long to hear we're loved. And when we don't hear it, it leaves scars. I'm going to suggest to all of us here, even if it's not natural, use those words. Parents, tell your kids you love them. Kids, tell your parents you love them. 
Tell friend to friend, certainly spouse to spouse. Everybody's heard the story, but it's worth just repeating. The, the story of the, the woman who's just longing to hear her husband just say, I love you. He said, man, I just need to hear you say you, that you love me. Just tell me you love me. He said, listen, I told you that the day we got married. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's not good. You want to say it, and I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. So be sure that that, uh, that is the case. I love what Billy Graham, his little statement, some of you have heard it, uh, not just about love, but about, he says, here's the way I see it with the things of God. I won't understand everything, but I'm going to say this for the rest of my life about the things I find in the Word of God. God says it. I believe it. That's that. Good enough. He said it. Good enough for me. Well, don't we wish it were like that? But it's not because we can hear it. But if we don't feel it, if we don't sense we see it, then that's not good enough. Why? Because we're kids. We're children. Many here, parents, some of you have little children now. Many of you have had kids that have grown up. Well, what happened? You say to your child, no, you can't do that. Uh, you must give, no, you can't have that. No, this, no, that. Now, what happens when you tell them something that they don't want to hear? Fortunately, in our family, we'd hear, very fine father, whatever you think is best, I certainly trust, and, and your wisdom and your age, I'm sure you must be right. I must not have the right perspective, and therefore, I trust you. And that's not going to happen. No. They're sitting there, and they're saying, I don't understand why you can't. I so they say, why? Why can't I do that? Now, what are you and I thinking? If we're the parent... We're saying, I'll tell you why, because I said so. And in our mind, shouldn't that be enough? Well, it should be, but it's not. Because they're thinking, I can't ever be happy without that. You're making my life miserable. You're pretty much of an adult idiot if you think I shouldn't have it. And they've got all this going through their mind. And we're thinking, why? Because I'm 40 and you're 10. I'm brilliant, you're not. What in the world would you question me? And we would, that's the way we would think. However, again, we're children, and we have to accept that. We're the children of God. And God says, this is what must, and oh, you must not. And what do we do? We say, oh, why? And if you don't give me a good answer, I'm not buying into that, because you can't be right. That's what the Israelites were saying. That when they say, how have you loved us? Well, they're saying, we're not getting it. We don't believe that. And there's where we have to say, okay, God, I need to see your love. And you know, as parents, we learn not to just say, because I say so. We try, if we can, to say, I'd like to explain. I'd like for you to understand. You may not, but at least I want to try. Well, our God is doing the same thing. He's saying in Scripture, well, let me explain my love. Let me use this as an analogy, and I'll explain the last part of the verse, verses. If I were a teaser and you were not used to being teased, perhaps you, you read that and say, Randy doesn't like me. Why? Well, because he's always teasing. He's always saying something, and it's in a teasing manner. And I don't feel he loves me when he does that. 
Now, I could quit teasing, and maybe you think I love you. But what if, what if somebody said to you, oh, you don't know Randy very well, do you? This you will learn quickly. He teases with people he truly loves. Oh, really? Now I tease, and they're delighted in the tease. It's all a difference of what you believe. With the things of God. You know what they were doing? See if you identify with this one. My circumstances are bad. God didn't allow this. I wanted this with all my heart. God never provided it. I hoped for this. God never did it. Therefore, what? God doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. And God has to say, oh, 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 oh. no, 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 you don't understand. In fact, he disciplines those he loves, and discipline means things that are painful and not so good. And, and oh, by the way, there's a better way to determine if God loves you than looking at your circumstances. And what you want to do is look, and here's the answer. I'm going to give it to you Scripture now. Let's read it together. The next verses. He says, but you say, how have you loved us? Look what he answers. He says, was not Esau Jacob's brother? That's interesting. Why does he go to Esau? Well, who is Esau? You remember the, the story Jacob I loved, Esau I hated in the book of Romans where, where Paul's talking about that in chapter 9? Well, what is this thing? These two brothers. Well, these two brothers come about, and they're as different as night and day. They are so different. They're different, but it's interesting that Esau is the older of the two. Therefore, he gets the family blessing. But there was an act of God's choice and his goodness to Jacob that caused the blessing to be taken from Esau to Jacob. Now, we can't go into all of that. But he says, if you don't think you're loved, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your brother. Now, this is the brother family, obviously. Jacob and Esau are long deceased, but they're family. So now you've got Jacob and the Israelites, but you have Esau and the Edomites. Now, here was the thing. The Edomites had aligned with Babylon when God used Babylon to conquer the Israelites, at least the people of Judah, and take those ten tribes away. And so they're sitting here going, wait, 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 wait. Edom was one of the ones that got the blessing of conquering us. And what are you talking about them? Well, we have to continue reading. It goes on to say, but I have, but I have, loved, I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. And that's a comparative term, hated. And I have made his mountains a desolation and appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Though Edom says, now, so what's happened now is that Edom has just been demolished. But there were still Edomites left, and they're going, we'll rebuild. You've seen how God's come along with us, and we'll rebuild again. He says, so he says, though Edom says, we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear down. And men will call them the wicked territory. They're known that. Through history now of the Bible, they are the wicked territory. And the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. Your eyes will see this and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. Here's the teaching. What he's say, simply saying is, no, if you want to know if you're loved, 
Just look at what it means not to be loved. That's how you determine. In fact, I'm going to put it in a summary statement. The summary statement reads like this. God's love is often best seen in what he chooses not to do rather than by what he chooses to do. He says, you think you're not loved by God? No, no, no. The people that are not loved by God, they get demolished. They receive the judgment of God. They receive, man, you think you're not loved? No, 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 no. You're loved. Here's the problem. You're looking at the wrong thing to determine if you're loved. You don't look at your circumstances because, and God's word in the New Testament is just constantly taught this. One, he may be, he just may be disciplining you. Maybe there's been error in your way and he has to discipline. Those he loves, he disciplines. I'm amazed at people who don't love God, who are so mad at God because he disciplines them. I've heard pagans say, people that are just totally against God, and they say, you know what, God did this and God did that, and I'm thinking, and what in the world do you expect when you don't even follow God? And Christians, in the same way, we see bad circumstances and we define that as, well, God's not showing his love. He says, no, 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 no. The way you know your love is you ask this one question. What happens the day I die? And if you say, I perish forever, then true, you don't know the love of God. But if you say, I'll live in eternity without pain, sorrow, hardship, nothing. You have the love of God placed on you. And now we read our circumstances. We say, well, maybe it's discipline if there's no sin and thing, you know, that I understand that's a consequence of what I've done and his discipline. Well, maybe he is simply protecting me. Maybe like that parent who's 40 to the child who's four and says, no, you can't. I know you think it, but that would be very harmful to you. So back to the story of the property. We didn't get the property. All was lost. God, why? We don't understand. Little would we know, but years later, we'd look at that piece of property and we'd say, aren't we glad we didn't end up in that location? That would be the worst of places for a church right now. How would we know the patterns of Atlanta and where it would grow and how it would be? Oh, aren't we thankful? We would have never left 50 acres. Oh, that would have been, that'd been hard to imagine. Not only that, but then years later, years ago now, some of you remember the gray tornadoes that hit this part of Atlanta. Did devastation, widespread, ground zero, the place, that 50 acres. That was ground zero. Massive facilities wiped off that property through the tornado. And boy, did the perspective of the the founders and old-timers of this church go, oh, Lord, now we see. And how many times do we do that with God, huh? Now, you want to know if you're loved? You know how I can just understand the love of God a little bit better? When I'm worried and I'm laying there, oh, my goodness, and is, uh, you know, I'm really, though I don't realize it, I'm saying, does God really love me enough? And is God sovereign enough to take care of me right now? Because things are just, it's not working the way I'm planning it, the way I'd hoped, the way I designed it to be. I can think about my brother. 
I can think about my brother. And I can say, oh God, thank you that your love has been on me. Now that was good news because about two years before his death, he came to faith, joined a church, got in discipleship, started growing, his life started changing. So the love of God was on him, but it was late in his life. It was very late. And I say, you know what, God? Now your love on him, I understand. But I have years to look and say, no, the love is shown in the fact that you put me in your family. And once you're in the family of God, you are loved. That's what we have to remember. Hang on to that. So when you wake up at night and your mind starts stirring, your heart is restless, and you think, oh, I, oh it's not working. This is not the way I wanted it. Would you just try to remember those two, God's love and God's sovereignty? I've done a series in Romans on the sovereignty. You can go back and listen to that more and more. But, but think about this love angle. And say, doesn't he love you? Well, just ask the question, are you his? Are you in his family? Then you are loved. And he says it over and over and over. He says, my love is everlasting for you. My love will never fail you. I will ne you'll never be separated from me. I love you, I love you, I love you. He says it, he says it, he says it. And let me tell you, he shows it by the fact that he puts you in his family. That right there can have you go back to sleep pretty quickly. As we pray together, let's pray. Our Father, we know we have to come to the cross to, to really embrace what you've done for us before we experience that love that you have. And therefore, we pray that you would help some of us now uh, see your work on the cross and find ourselves strangely warm to the idea of being in your family and finding ourselves desiring, even craving to be in the family. Lord, it's an amazing love that draws us to you, and we thank you for it. Forgive us for interpreting your love in our, own, in our own manner of how we think it should be interpreted. May we follow your teaching and see what love truly is. And Father, for those of us that are loved already, we just want to say thank you. And may we hold on to it and sleep well tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.